turn to Revelation chapter 18. I won't keep you long. But I do want to just say something. Those of you who've lived more than a few decades on this earth can observe that we have seen a tremendous rise drug abuse, alcohol abuse, new age, occultism. Even in our lifetime, there has been a massive spike in all of these things and in all of the associated sins, sexual immorality, perversion. It's all manifest in its rawest form in the world that we live in. We don't have to go out of Larn to see this. We don't even have to leave more than the stones throw from the mission hall to see all of these things. Maybe you think that that's a coincidence, that there's this spike in these things, that there are people who live the lifestyle that Curtis was articulating earlier. It's not unique. In fact, if anything, we could say the way he was living was the normal for many people today. Why is it that we're suddenly seeing this tremendous spike, explosion of drunkenness, drug abuse, immorality, perversion, suicide, the number one killer, means of death is suicide for young people under the age of 35. Why is it? Is it a coincidence? Revelation chapter 18, I'm just going to read a few verses and then make a few comments and we'll be through, speaks of the destruction of the center of power of the Antichrist during the Great Tribulation period. And it says, And after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. Now, that's never happened yet. Uh, you may meet some of these people and they say, well, we're in the tribulation, but we're not. There's no angels coming down in great power in the last five, 6,000 years. This is something that's going to happen. And everybody's going to know about it. It says, and he cried mightily with a strong voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. And then notice it says, and has become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit, demonic spirit, and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. And then he says in verse 3, For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The whole world is going to be consumed with the occult, with the wickedness of Satan in the great tribulation period and the period leading up to it. There's going to be an explosion of these things. God's going to lift his hand of restraint and you're going to see this all over the planet. You see it in the more rarefied form with these tarot cards, reiki, yoga, because Satan doesn't always come as an unclean 
presence. In fact, the Bible says in 1st, 2nd Corinthians that he has ministers of righteousness. He, he can appear to be white when he's sowing the seeds of darkness. So some will be lured in to the occult through what we could call the clean forms of darkness. And others will just be drawn straight into the darkness itself. But tonight we've heard from Curtis, and I really want to pick up one thing about his testimony that's so prevalent today and focus on that. It says in verse 23, after the destruction of Babylon, Revelation 18, says the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee. God's going to shut it all down. The voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. For thy merchants were the great men of the earth, powerful. For by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. Now, you notice the word sorceries there. It's not a Harry Potter word. The word sorceries there is the Greek word pharmakia, where we get our English word pharmacy from. And the Bible tells us that the nations of the world, Satan has a glue that he's going to use in these end times in particular to draw the nations after him. And one of the words that's used to describe that glue is this word pharmakia, the Greek word, and it has the idea of illicit drugs and addictive substances that Satan will use to bring people into the worship of the Antichrist and the demonic world. So it's no coincidence that what you see in Larn, Carrick, Balamina, with this explosion of drug abuse, drink addiction, and all of the associated problems that come with that are so prevalent because it's going to be one of the marks of how this world will end and why this world will be destroyed by God. But then I want to ask this other question. Why are more and more, particularly young people, but not exclusively young people, seeking out drugs, drink, and all of these so-called New Age practices. What's drawing them to it? We understand it's going to happen, the Bible says, but why are they being hooked particularly into these things? Well, really, there's two main reasons. There's a number of reasons, but I'm just going to leave you with two. The first reason that so many are drawn into these things is to silence a conscience that is warning them about their sin. To shut off the sound of the conscience. Now, what is the conscience? It's a word that's actually from two words. Con means together. Science or science, which means knowledge. So you put the two words together, 
The word conscience means working together with knowledge. So what is the conscience? It's something God has put in all of us, but is independent of us. Now that sounds a strange way of saying something, but it's true. Your conscience is part of you. You can't get rid of it. You can't erase it. You can't cut it out of you. But it's not controlled by you. It's independent of you and your will. It's something that works with knowledge. Conscience. It works with the knowledge of God's law. Romans chapter 2 tells us God hath planted the knowledge of the moral law, what you ought to do and ought not to do, in the mind and heart of every human. Whether you're a Christian, non-Christian, whether you've been to church all your life, or you've never set foot in church, you've never even read the Bible, you have a conscience and a sense of God's moral law that tells you what you ought to do and what you ought not to do. And that's why even the ungodly speak about having a guilty what? Conscience. So in order to silence that, Satan has been promoting the drink and the immorality and the New Age garbage and the drugs and the rock music and all these other things, the entertainment world, the Netflix and the Disney to try and take people's mind away from the guilty conscience to be caught up and something outside of themselves, so they don't have to think about eternity. They don't have to think about their sin, or at least they're distracted from it. But then there's a second reason why people are particularly seduced by the drugs and the drink and these other things. Because the Bible tells us that there's a void an emptiness in the heart of a person who is broken off in relationship with his Creator. Old St. Augustine put it this way, there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every human. We're born knowing that there's an eternity to come. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 tells us, God hath planted eternity in the heart of every human. There's a sense of, I'm not born for this world, I'm born for another world. There's a sense of, in the heart of every man who knows, after I die, I don't disappear. After death, the judgment comes. And there's this emptiness without God. There's a dread without God. People are running around trying to fill that emptiness with something. And if they don't fill it with Christ, they fill it with the drugs or the drink or the immorality or the entertainment. Or some fill it with popularity. Some fill it with business and money and all these other things, relationships, trying to fill the empty void. Satan knows that people have this emptiness without God. 
and drugs and drink in particular are two of his most effective weapons to try and make you feel good. But here's the problem. The drugs and the drink, they make you feel better for what? For an hour. For a couple of hours, maybe. But what happens in the morning when the drink wears off? And the drugs wear off? The emptiness is still there. And you heard Curtis say he spent 250 pounds a week on marijuana because what he spent on Saturday didn't do him for Sunday. And then Monday, Tuesday, he had to keep going back to refill the empty void because it didn't work. didn't work. The Bible says Satan is going to use particularly these things in these last of the last days when there's people know the world's going to end soon. They know there's a confusion in the world. I heard someone praying tonight in the prayer meeting. Our politics is broke. Our economy's broke. Our health service is broke. Everything's broke. Our education system's broke. And people know the world's going to collapse. So what do they turn to? Something to fill the void. And turn to God. They want to turn to God. And they're pursuing the drink and the drugs and the new age gobbledygook in order to try and make them feel better. And you know, many of them end up in total despair. Because when the drink wears off and the drugs wear off and the new age stuff ends, the emptiness is still there. And then the suicidal thoughts come. One last verse and then I'm through. John's Gospel, chapter 10. What's the answer? Not more drugs. Not more drink. Not more tarot cards. Recce. Or yoga. What's the answer? John 10. Verse 10. The first, no doubt, many of you learned in Sunday school. And it says what? Let's read it together. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. That, that's what the devil wants to do. He comes to steal your happiness, to steal your soul. To kill you. Kill your future. But God says what? Jesus says what? I am come that they might have life. Not just life. That they might have it more what? Abundantly. Where did Curtis find life? Indeed, where did Curtis find eternal life? Where did Curtis find abundant life? John's Gospel, chapter 10, is the answer. In the one who can give eternal life. In the one who can fill the empty void. In the one who can give you a new heart. In the one who can change your life, not for a couple of hours, but the one who can change your life for all of eternity. He says, I'm come, I'm come to give you real life, eternal life. And you know, the only life worth living, the only life 
is the Christian life. You know, outside the church, they're laughing at us. They're walking past. And they think, look at those crazy Christians. Wasting their time. Not realizing how empty and vacuous their lives truly are. That we really have life. That we have abundant life. He that hath the Son hath life. If you want to go to heaven, you need Jesus. It's very, very simple. You need to come to him and him alone. Be saved. There is hope. It's not found in the pills. It's not found in the needles. It's not found in the beer bottle. It's not found in the disco or the nightclub. There's hope, but it's found only in one person, Jesus Christ. Many years ago, a young man growing up in England lost his mother. His father was a very cold man. It made him very depressed. His father got angry and sent him off to boarding school. And he was even more depressed there. And he thought, nobody cares for me. The only thing I have left to do is just end my life. And he arranged the date and the time, as Curtis did he got a rope and a chair. He hung it up. He was going to use the door, if my memory's right, to pull the chair away so that he could hang himself from the roof. But as he tried to kill himself, God intervened. Something malfunctioned. And it made him think, maybe God does care for me. After all, he started to read the Bible. As he read the Bible, he discovered there is this person called Jesus who really can save you from your sins. He really can fill the emptiness. And by faith, he came to Christ, just as Curtis described, and was truly saved. As he thought about what had happened to him that night in England, how the Lord Jesus Christ had come into his life and washed all his sins away, he took a pen and a piece of paper, and he wrote these words, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood lose all, not some, their guilty stain. His name was William Cowper and God saved him and changed him just as he can do for you in Larn tonight. Is there power still in the blood? Absolutely. Don't leave here tonight unsaved. Don't go to hell. Don't be a fool. The fools are out there. 
the wise people are in here getting their souls dealt with, getting their sins dealt with. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word tonight, the sense of the presence of God in everything that's been done and said. And Lord, we pray that you would speak. Speak into the hearts of those who are still outside of Christ. That they would come like the little child and simply trust in Christ and Christ alone. Cry for mercy. Turn from their sins. Find full, perfect, complete, and eternal forgiveness in Jesus Christ. For we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.